What is going on, guys? It's Rem here for another episode of Sports Bar Jockeys. Uh, today is 5-9. It's a Monday. Uh, it's been a busy weekend and last week for sports because that's what we talk about on here. I'm here again by myself for another solo episode because nobody likes me. Yay. I'm just playing. Uh, So we got some playoff hockey to watch tonight. Some playoff basketball uh, has been going on. My teams went 3-0 over the last few days, so I'm pretty pumped about it. The Sixers were down 2-0 in the series to the Miami Heat. Then Joel Embiid, masked Joel Embiid, comes back and wins the next two games for us. And then this morning, he got robbed of an MVP award. So, hey, it's all fun and love and war, right? So, uh... The NBA decided that Nikola Jokic was more deserving than uh, Joel Embiid, which, quite honestly, all you have to do is look at the difference between the Sixers in the first two games to their second two games with and without Embiid, and you know that he's the most valuable player to his team in the entire league. We would have been swept by the Miami Heat, maybe won one game without Embiid, and with Embiid, I think we can win the series now. So that's the difference. The thing with Jokic is, for the Denver Nuggets, he does absolutely everything. So, it's hard to argue with them picking him as the MVP, and I'm a really big Jokic fan, so I'm not necessarily mad about it. It's just the fact that I feel like it was Embiid's award to lose, and he didn't do anything to lose the award. He played so great down the stretch, and he led the league in scoring. And overall, he's just a more valuable asset to his team. Like, yes, you take Jokic away from Denver, and they're not a playoff team. They're barely a playoff team with him. And they got shunned in the first round because they were missing Murray and um, Porter and all kinds of stuff. But I just don't understand how Joel Embiid did not win the MVP award. I thought it was a guarantee that he was winning. So I'm quite confused. I think the NBA messed up. I definitely agree that Jokic is an MVP caliber player. But I just believe that uh, Joel Embiid deserved that award. So that was what I woke up to this morning. Uh, so an absolute shameful thing for the MVP to, for the N- N- NBA. <sighs> I can't even talk for the NBA to take that award away from Embiid. So like I said, I'm very passionate about my opinion here because I does I feel like my player deserved the MVP award. So. I mean, whatever, man. I mean, it is what it is. There, there have been worse robberies in sports uh, as far as MVP awards and stuff go uh, because more often than not, they just pick whoever they want, and it's not even somebody that deserves it. I'm talking about you, Shohei Otani. Um, but, yeah, it's just <sighs> – Oh my God! Whatever, man. I can't. I can't change the fact that they've messed it up. They 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 just have to live with the fact that they messed it up. And I expect Embiid to look even better after that ridiculous, disgusting mistake that the NBA made because he is going to go out there and prove that he is the MVP. Embiid, he's not the type of player that you're going to hear complain about it. He's not going to come out to the media and be like, yeah, I should have won, da-da-da-da-da. He's going to be like, I'm going to show them why they should have picked me the MVP. And Embiid is also the type of player that would rather have an NBA championship than an MVP award because team awards are more important than individual awards. So Embiid is going to prove all of them wrong, and I believe that the Sixers are going to just make a run now because Embiid has got that fire lit under him, that chip on his shoulder that he really needed to push to that extra level to get us over that hump and beat these teams that we have to beat, like Miami, probably Milwaukee, and then uh, probably Golden State. I mean, honestly, so... 
We'll have to see, but I do believe that this is for the best that Embiid got robbed of this award because this will be the best version of Joel Embiid that we will see is coming after the robbery. After the robbery. Now Embiid kicks it into the next level. He was already up this many levels. He's going to kick it into the next level up from there, and he's going to just take over the game and dominate and prove that he should have been the MVP. And I'm saying Sixers in six. I think we're going to win the next two games. I think we're going to win it in six at home in Philly after taking another game in Miami. Oh, man. We haven't won yet in Miami, but I do believe that going into Game 5, we have all the momentum in this series, and we could easily take Game 5, and then boom, back home in Philly for Game 6. The Sixers are the better team when they have Embiid on the court, because he makes that much of a difference. So you saw how bad that team looked in the first two games? Well, look how they look now. Look how they look now. That is why he's the MVP. There's no other question that you have to ask. Embiid is the MVP. He's my MVP. He's almost everybody else's MVP, just not the people that actually voted for the MVP. So, robbery, but I think it's good for the team because he will be playing with that chip on his shoulder and that fire lit under him because he knows that he's the best player in the world. So, that's my take on that. Moving on, okay? So, the other game that I was referring to over the weekend, and game four is actually tonight, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were able to get a win against the New York Rangers. So now they're up in the series two to one. And then they play another game in Pittsburgh, if I remember correctly. Is that what's going on? I think game four is tonight, and they're up two to one in the series if I remember correctly. So let me just double check. Yeah, I was right. So they're up two to one. In the series, after winning the first game in New York, and then game three in Pittsburgh. So now game four is in Pittsburgh. The Penguins are going to win again. Okay, so it's going to be 3-1. Then they're going to go back to New York. It's going to be a close one, but I think the Rangers will be fighting for their lives, and they will win game five. Then we're coming back to Pittsburgh for game six, and the Penguins are going to knock them out in six. So I'm saying Sixers in six. Penguins in six, and you can expect to see both of those teams deep into the postseason, okay? The Sixers will be in the Eastern Conference Final against the Milwaukee Bucks unless the Celtics have a miracle somewhere up their ass that they can pull out. So, Bucks and Sixers for the conference championship, and that's going to be a great series because I watched all the games they played each other head-to-head over the season. The Sixers won a few of those games. They were able to win at least one because I remember watching it, and then the other one, Remember the end of that game? The block by Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then the Sixers lost the game at the very last second? Oh, my. That's going to be a heck of a series because those are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference other than the Celtics. How the Bucs are beating the Celtics, I have no idea, but I think they might be able to pull it off. And it's going to be a good series between the Bucs and the Sixers, I'm telling you. So, I'm not, obviously, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch, but it definitely sounds like it, and I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel, because I believe in my teams, and as biased as that might sound about everything that I'm saying right now, you know what? Then stop listening to the podcast, because I'm passionate about my teams, and I believe in them, okay? Because that's how you're supposed to be as a sports fan. You're supposed to live by your team and die by your team. That is what you're supposed to do, okay? I bleed black and gold, but I also bleed red and blue. You see what I'm saying? Like, hey, I don't know what to tell y'all, but... uh Basically, what I'm getting at here is the Philadelphia 76ers are legit and the Penguins are legit. And they're going to go out there and prove it for me. I don't even have to do the talking for them. They're going to show you with their actions. So, hey, 
Let's just see how it goes, how it plays out. I mean, a lot of other teams deserve my love and deserve my recognition, and I'm going to give it to them because I, I, those aren't the only teams I like. You know, Obviously, when it comes down to it and it comes out of the wire, yeah, I'm going to root for my team. But there are other teams that I also love that I believe are going to make deep runs in the playoffs. So I'm going to tell you about them. A team that I do not feel like is getting enough love in the NHL playoffs right now, truly, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, 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 I understand. That's the low-hanging fruit. I picked them to win this series, but they were underdogs to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't understand how they were underdogs. I really still don't understand how they were underdogs. But the Tampa Bay Lightning won the last two Stanley Cups. These guys are equipped for this. Okay, The excuse for why the Lightning would lose this series, the, the, the argument against the Tampa Bay Lightning was fatigue. Clearly, they're not fatigued. They just put up, what, seven goals their last game? Yes, seven goals against, against the Maple Leafs. And the series is tied 2-2. Seven goals, okay? They're not fatigued. They're at least getting out of the first round. Now, a team that I'm scared might not get out of the first round is the Florida Panthers, okay? They lost game one. They won game two, so I was like, okay, okay. But the Capitals stole the game that they needed to steal, and then they won in dominant fashion in Game 3, and now hold a 2-1 series lead on the Florida Panthers, still playing Game 4 in Washington. So that puts Washington in an excellent situation, actually the exact same situation the Penguins are in, and I'm very, very liking it. I mean, truly, I'm rooting for these teams. I'm rooting for the Cats to knock out the Panthers. And obviously, I'm rooting for the Penguins to knock out the Rangers. The fact that these underdog teams are, are making you sleep on them and they come right in your face and just punch you. I mean, you, nobody expected that. Nobody expected that, okay? So the Washington Capitals, I predicted to get swept in the first round. And here they are. And another team, another team that's in the same boat is the Dallas Stars. Everybody's saying flames, 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 flames. Even me, even me. I said they had the easiest path to the finals out of all the teams. And guess what? They're losing two to one in the series. Oh my God. Dallas is showing up. Dallas is showing up. And to be honest, I'm shocked. I am just absolutely shocked because you understand you only have to win four games to win a series. All these teams I'm listing are halfway there and they weren't even supposed to win one. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like the Capitals and the Stars, I predicted to get swept and they're up two to one. <laughs> so now they only need to win two of the next four games. That's 50%. That's not that hard. You've already beat the team twice. You just have to beat them two more times. You're halfway there. And they have home games to do it. They each have two home games still. And that's a big deal. Just like Pittsburgh. They still have two home games to do this. And then they can pull off the upset. All of, the te all of these teams are capable. The National Predators disappointed me. Per usual. The second game was the game that they forced to go into overtime against the Avalanche, and they lost, okay? They, they actually played, outplayed the Avs in that game, and they lost 2-1 to one in overtime. So all of the BS that happened in game one, they were able to possibly overcome and change the script and even that series. Clean slate and turn it into a five-game series. What'd they do? They choked. They lost. Now you're in a 2-0 hole. 
So what do you do? You come out in game three and you're at home. You got to win your home games at least and then steal one of the other road games. What do they do? They choke again. They lost again, seven to three. So that puts them in a really big hole, three and oh, and nobody's coming out of three and oh, especially when you're playing the Avalanche. So the Panthers, or sorry, the Predators are done. The Predators, you can count them out. It's a sweep tonight. It's over. And if it isn't a sweep tonight, they're definitely losing game five in Colorado. They're not going to make it any closer than that. Um, so that's that. But as far as the Stars and the Flames, man, it's hard to believe in the Flames at this point. You know, they're down 2-1. Panthers, same deal. I still think both of them can win these series, but they're in a 2-1 hole. So they have to win basically three out of four, three out of five games. Well, three out of four, yeah, three out of four games to get this done. Three out of four games, that's hard. They can only afford to lose one more game out of the next four games to win that series. I'm willing to go on a limb and say at least one of those two teams is going to get knocked out. Either the Panthers or the Flames, one of the three juggernauts in the league, are going to get knocked out here in the first round. At least one. The Avalanche were the original juggernaut that I picked to get knocked out in the first round, not the other two. But, hey, the other two is fine with me too, honestly. Okay. But now, who's going to beat the Avalanche, you say? Well, we got a really nice series going on between the Blues and the Wild right now. They're tied 2-2, and they're both looking like teams that could make a deep run. We knew that was going to be a close series, and now it's down to a three-game series because they're tied 2-2. So on into game five, oh boy, oh boy, we got a three-game series, a best two out of three series between those two teams. And I believe, I believe, now let me say it before, before it happens, whichever team comes out of that series, will represent the Western Conference in the Western Conference Final this year. The Wild or the Blues. Whichever team wins that series is going to represent the Western Conference in the, in the Western Conference. Okay? All right? That, that's my prediction. One of those two teams will be in the Stanley Cup Final this year. Okay? Because the Flames are making me doubt them. <laughs> the Avalanche, I already doubted even though they're about to get an easy, easy series win against the Preds because, yeah, they didn't put up much of a fight, plus they didn't have sorrows. A lot of reasons. So that's my, that's my take. Those are two of the most well-built teams, and I think that they'll be better equipped to beat the Avalanche after playing a long series. Yes, yeah, sure, fatigue, whatever. But they have enough young players that they can do that, okay? And they both have veteran goalies that have been there, done that. Marc-Andre Fleury, Stanley Cups under his belt. Jordan Bennington, Stanley Cup under his belt. These guys have been there and done that. And not only do they have one goalie, but if that goalie manages to get hurt, guess what else they have? Another goalie. The, the St. Louis Blues also have Billy Husso, who's a really good goalie and is winning them games. Husso and Bennington are both solid. The Wild. They have Flurry and Talbot. Cam Talbot, solid. If you got to use him, use him. So if something happens to Flurry, they still have a top 10 goalie. And if something happens to Bennington or Husso, they still have a 1A, 1B, whatever situation they want to run. Okay, it's like doing running back by committee in the NFL, okay? It's like if you have, like, the Falcons when they made it to the Super Bowl. It's like when they had uh, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman and they were just cycling through both of them. They're a 1A and a 1B. They're both really good. 1A and 1B. But, hey, look at this goaltender situation. We got two goalies that have the quality attributes to be a starter, and we're just going to go back and forth between a 1A and 1B. You see what I'm saying? It's the same exact concept 
as that. So, what I'm getting at is, if you got two good running backs, you're not just going to use one and let the other one run a little bit. No, you're going to split the carries down the middle and you're going to let them both do it running back by committee. This is goaltender by committee. It's the same thing. Keep your guy fresh and whoever's hot goes in the net. I like that. I like that. So, if you have the luxury to do that, do it. And and then if somebody gets injured, then you don't have to worry about not having a goalie like the Pittsburgh Penguins being down to their third string goalie. It's scary. It's really scary. But they're doing fine, aren't they? So, I don't know, man. It's really scary to me. But at the same time, these teams that have goaltender depth and just a lot of guys that can get you goals uh, in a playoff series and a lot of grit and grind players that are just like great leaders that can just push your team on like a Ryan O'Reilly. Okay. A guy that's been there, done that, made a deep playoff run before, been on good teams his entire career, will do whatever it takes to win. Guys like that. Those are guys you need. Those are guys that feast off winning. These are guys that are fueled by winning. Their gasoline in their car is winning. And when they don't win, they're not satisfied. Okay? These are guys that will put their body on the line to block a clutch shot. These are guys that will lay their body on the line and throw guys against the boards, battle hard for the puck, and just make plays. Make plays. That's what you need in a playoff series. You need guys like that that are going to do anything to win. And that, at the end of the day, is what's going to win you a playoff series and ultimately a Stanley Cup is having guys that will not lose guys that refuse to lose that it's not even in their dictionary that they just go out there and do everything humanly possible to win that game and then it makes up for the guys that are not like that and the more guys that you have are like that the better chance you have of winning because these are competitors these are professional athletes but different guys have in their dna they are built for this they are built for the big moments like Jimmy Butler on the Miami Heat. How many times has Jimmy Butler led a team deep in the playoffs? Jimmy Butler is built for this. There are players that are just built for it, okay? And then there's players that are not, that you don't see the best version of themselves in the playoffs when it matters, and those guys are the worthless ones that I don't want on my team. If I'm building a team, I'm pulling guys like Jimmy Butler any day over guys that are regular season heroes, Okay, I'm pulling Jimmy Butler or somebody that can give me playoff performances that I will remember. Playoff performances that you look back on and say, we won the game because of that guy. There are so many players like that in the NHL. Okay, and these guys, the moment is not too big for them. They will always be there and you can always rely on them to make the necessary plays and do their part. To help your team win. Now, everybody's got to chip in because it's a team sport. So the more guys you have that are in that same mentality, those are winners. And when you see your name on that Stanley Cup, that changes you. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, the guys that have been there before, the Tampa Bay Lightning, their core, the guys that have been there before, even the Washington Capitals, the guys that have been there before that are hungry to get back there, same thing with the Blues, same thing with the Bruins. There are players that have been there, done that, and won it again. Their desire for that feeling again is stronger than the players that have never experienced it. 
So it's a proven fact that when these guys get it, it's like an addiction. They want more and more. And they, they get that win and they get that taste of that Stanley Cup. And they're like, I want another one. I want another one. It's an obsession. They want to win. They need it. Okay? They, they feast off of it. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is this is crazy. Yeah. This year has been already crazy. Even however many games has it been. What, four games? We're on game four. We're in the second part of the game fours. The, the LA Kings are tied with the Oilers 2-2. And I said this. I said the, the Kings have been there before. The Oilers are regular season heroes. They have two guys that are their entire offense. Okay? So... Dude, that's not a recipe for playoff success. I can tell you that right now. I can tell you that right now. Even without Drew Doughty, the Kings are getting production from guys that you would not expect. Why? Why? Because they have guys like Kopitar, guys like Jonathan Quick that rally the troops and say, guys, this is what we need to do. This is the game plan. This is how you have to play. Everybody has to do their role. Everybody has to do what they were brought here to do. And if we're going to win... We need every single one of you to contribute. And that's exactly what they will do. Okay? So, the LA Kings, I do truly believe that they have a chance to win that series against the Edmonton Oilers. 100%. It is not a fake that this series is 2-0. They can actually win two of the next three games. In my opinion, it is not over. The Oilers are not guaranteed to win that series. The Kings could win that series. Legitimately win that series. They're not as... They're a sleeper team, but they're underrated in that aspect. Even without Dowdy, they can take this series. They really, really could. Now, McDavid can have one of them games where he scores three or four points, but if he has another game like last year, like last night or whatever, where he was like a minus two or something, and Dreisaitl was a minus three or whatever, whatever the order was, they were bad. And these guys are not good. Def- like Dreisaitl more so than McDavid is a better defensive player. But Connor McDavid doesn't play defense. That's not the recipe for success in the playoffs. He uses, he exerts all of his energy in the offensive side of things and never, never tries to play any kind of defense. And he leaves his team shorthanded in almost every situation. How people can say he's the best player in the league, I have no idea. Because all you have to do is look at how many points he scored and then look at his plus minus rating and understand that it makes zero sense how he has that many points and such a bad plus minus rating. The dude doesn't play defense. He just hopes to score more than the other team and refuses to help his team on the defensive end. He's not like a Sidney Crosby that'll take a puck away from a player in his defensive zone, skate it all the way up the ice, have three guys on top of him, move around, keep possession of the puck, put it to the net, have somebody else slap it, and then Crosby's right there for the rebound and then slaps it home. And which, which play am I talking about? I'm talking about game two where the Penguins are down in the game and Sidney Crosby turns into the GOAT because he is the GOAT. He, he turns into beast mode and he goes down there and he puts that puck in the net at all costs. He has three guys literally hanging off of him, trying to rip him out of the way, P- penalty after penalty. There were at least two guys that took a penalty on this play and nothing was called, obviously, because he scored. He found a way to get it in the back of the net. 
Crosby had these guys draped on him, and he's just, like, moving around through them. He took the puck away from the Rangers in the defensive zone, skated it all the way up by himself, and then he was able to score eventually on a rebound after making a crazy pass. I mean, uh, insane! Insane! And then the next game that we won, game three, uh, he didn't have any points. We were getting all of our goals from secondary scoring and a bunch of flukes and flops and da-da-da-da-da. Sidney Crosby, late in the game, made a between-the-legs pass to set up Jeff Carter for an empty day goal. It was insane! You gotta look it up. It was crazy. Being a Penguins fan, I see that kind of stuff all the time, though. I, I see Sidney Crosby play a lot. So I know that this is just what he does. This is just who he is. But you have to watch this man to appreciate him. Okay? This guy is literally levels above anybody else that's ever played the game. His hockey sense, his hockey IQ, his ability to make plays and see everything happen before it happens is that of the great one, Wayne Gretzky. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. Now, it's a different era of hockey, so the GOAT debate will never be settled. Everybody says, oh, Gretzky, Gretzky. Sidney Crosby is playing against a much higher level of competition. The goaltenders are better nowadays. Everything's different. So it's hard to say Wayne is the GOAT whenever hockey was a completely different sport back then. But the GOAT debate will never be settled. It's just like basketball with LeBron and MJ. There are people that legitimately think LeBron is the GOAT, and there are people that legitimately think MJ is the GOAT. They're two different eras of basketball. They're both the GOAT. It was a different game when MJ played. You can't take anything away from MJ, but you also can't give anything to LeBron that isn't there. Okay? So I say that you can call them both the GOAT, and it's the same goes for hockey. The one generation had the Gretzky, had the Lemieux, and the next generation had the Crosby, had the Ovechkin. It's, they're all different players for their own different ways, different playing styles, different, like I said, level of competition, different style of game in general. Like the way the game is played is different, more physical nowadays. Goalies are better, better equipment, like everything. So you can't necessarily say that either one is the GOAT because they're coming from two different eras. It's almost like they're playing two different sports. You understand? So it's just crazy to me um, that people still debate that whenever it's uh, it, it depends on which, you know, which generation did you watch and how did you grow up watching hockey? Like, were you watching Wayne Gretzky as a kid or were you watching Sid as a kid? Which which style do you like better? Do you think that Gretzky had a harder time scoring? Uh, and do you think Crosby has it easy? Do you think he has guys around him that make him better? I personally, I just, I just don't see the comparison. I think today's athletes that are even in the conversation should be the goat because it's just a completely different sport. It's way harder. Guys have better physical and mental preparation for the games. And they're not just going out there and playing. These guys are, this is their livelihood. Like guys like LeBron spend a million dollars on their body every year. I mean, it's insane, but everybody has access to the same equipment and the same technology to make themselves a better version of themselves this in this age so i don't know man i just I, that's the end of what i'm going to say about the goat debate but all i'm saying is Sidney crosby is the goat of hockey and that's why it's because it's a completely different thing but they're both goats crosby and gretzky are both goats i love gretzky but it's just it's a different game now so 
So that's that's enough hockey talk. You guys understand that this shit's crazy. Basketball, I just want to see the Sixers win. I, I honestly, all, all that I wanted to say about basketball today was the fact that MB got robbed of his MVP award and that he's going to be a better player because of it. I think he's going to lead his team to whatever he needs to lead his team to, whether it's an NBA championship or just a, winning another series or whatever. Embiid's going to be the best version of himself, and I think it's going to make the Sixers better because of it. He's going to have that chip on his shoulder and that fireland under him, and I think it's going to be enough. I think we needed that. So let's see what happens. Things are so interesting right now. Um, it's been hard to record episodes because by the time I get off work, basketball or hockey's on, and I have to watch it all night. So I have to rush through these 30-minute episodes whenever I actually can and have the energy to do it for you guys. And I do appreciate you guys continuing to listen to this podcast and continuing to give us your support. I promise soon we will have a team episode, whether it be me and a special guest or me and Cody or whatever. I just need to get you guys the content, okay? I just rambled for 25 minutes. Was that enough? Is that good enough for you? So, hey... This is all I can give you guys today. This is all I'm capable of giving you guys today. But I hope it was enough. I hope my Embiid, uh, MVP debate was fun. I hope that my basketball talk was fun. I hope that my hockey talk was fun. And I hope that we have a hell of a game to watch on tonight. I hope the Penguins can go out there and kick ass and go up 3-1, going back to New York, and hopefully get out of this matchup with the Rangers um, on top and continue to use that momentum moving forward. Just like the Sixers are trying to use the momentum from the first, uh, from the third and the fourth game in Philly, heading back to Miami for Game Five. So, it's great that these games are not on the same night, so that I can actually watch both of my teams. And it's just, oh man! So it's Sixers one night, Penguins the next, Sixers the next. It's great. It's great. So, guys. I appreciate you listening to this episode. I am sorry that it's so short. I really just don't have the energy to keep going. But if you listen to it, I appreciate you. Thank you for your support. And we will see you next time on Sports Bar Jockeys. Thank you.